welcome to Capital Sports 2.0. I am Alan Moore, your host, or I should say one of your hosts for this evening because with me I have two massively able uh, co-hosts, so it is a threesome on air tonight. Um, first I'll say hello to Alex B. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Okay, and then to Andrew Flint. Hello guys, how are we doing? Guys, okay, great to have you on air, and um, there's something, of course, we're going to go to straight away, because we are going to speak about Russian footballers who are sick, uh, we'll speak about English footballers who are sick, we'll speak about Bundesliga, which is not sick, but it's still going ahead, but something else that is sick, but in, a, a, let's say, a North American version of the word, was, of course, <laughs> The Last Dance, which was paid for by Nike, produced by ESPN, and of course, the executive producer was one Mr. Michael Jordan. However, there is no doubting the man's genius, the man's absolute amazing basketball ability, his gumption, his determination to win, and his leadership as well, leading by example. The series has finished, of course, parts one till ten. Alex B and Andrew Flint have watched them all for us. I haven't, I'm only on number nine. However, I am willing to have the enjoyment of number ten spoiled. Because I want to know two experts of the game. Of course, uh, Andrew Flint is an expert of NBA Jam and Alex B is an expert of <laughs> NBA. You've watched the whole series. Tell us, who are the winners and who are the losers? I think the ultimate winner in this situation... I mean, first of all, the winners are the fans. Before we go into the winners who are in the series. Because this is going to... Uh, be a start for like many uh, series like this one being published like be, or being like released soon so the winners are the fans here the second is the winner is michael jordan because they centered this documentary around him like a good i'd say 85 percent of it was revolving around michael jordan which is why a lot of his teammates were upset scotty pippen for example who was pr- clearly upset about the way he was portrayed in the series i actually didn't agree with him at first i thought that he was portrayed you know they they showed him that he like they kind of implied that he was a very valuable asset to the team but they didn't really show him at his highest moments they only showed him when it was when they were critiquing him for not being upset about not being paid enough or other things so or like having the having to sit out in game six which is which was actually the main reason why he was upset because he had this, um, well, I mean, Andrew, you've seen this. If you remember, he, he had the back, he has had like something wrong with his back. So he had to like go, he had to go back pretty much every five minutes to have something, to have like something done for that. So in that game, obviously, he couldn't really do a lot, but that's the game that they showed when pretty much critiquing Scotty Pippen the whole way. But I, like, again, I don't, I didn't think that he, that these people are necessarily losers because they were portrayed as like sort of what Michael Jordan needed to win. At the same time, there was also the Michael Jordan's opposition who we talked about last week. Uh, so like other teams that he's faced, like a lot of new basketball fans didn't even know these franchises existed. So I think despite them not being shown in the best way, for example, like the Detroit Pistons who, you know, they were, they were shown as bullies. They weren't shown in a good light at all, yeah. but they, reminded everybody that they were these teams that Michael Jordan had to go through to get to where he was. And I actually think that the Utah Jazz are the biggest example of that because the Utah Jazz is just that team with John Stockton and Carl Malone was just not very 
it, it wasn't, it's not spoken enough nearly in the, it's not spoken nearly enough about in this, like right now today, but actually there's some bad news regarding the jazz before I, before I get into them okay. earlier today, the coach of that team, Jerry Sloan died at the age of 78. Now this guy, he was a legend. He was, he was a, truly a legendary coach. He led those teams against Michael Jordan, and he's won games against Michael Jordan. So he's won 1,221 games in his career, Whoa. which is the fourth highest total NBA history. This has been a big loss for the Jazz organization and for NBA altogether. When did he, pa- when did he pass away? Um, earlier today, actually, from Parkinson's disease and dementia. Like the the good thing here is that he was he was seventy eight years old and he had a, a lifetime of basketball basketball success to look back on. But however, regarding that team, that team like was I was actually very happy for sort of for the Utah Jazz particularly and the Reggie and Reggie Miller and the Pacers because they devoted a lot of screen time to those teams and they showed that they were capable of beating Michael Jordan's Bulls any given night and taking the, and, you know, taking the series to where Michael Jordan had to personally just, like, discover something within himself to pull his team through. And that's happened many, many times. Are, are you, you look very upset. <laughs> no. Just, sorry, I do. I, 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 I'm just thinking, because the thing that I, because when I'd seen um, episode nine, um, it was very early this morning as I was waiting for calls to come through from uh, Asia. Um, I'd read quite a bit about him and it was amazing to see that uh, he, he, he carried himself with great self-respect and, and with the humanity and decency. And he had played for the Bulls and he'd coached the Bulls before obviously Michael Jordan came in. An amazing good guy. And I just, I'm... Kind of in shock. That's that's twice we've done it when we've been on air. Uh, one, of course, is Kobe Bryant, and now Jerry Sloan. So, uh, as we say in Ireland, on the right hand of God, may he be. Uh, losers in 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 the series for you, Alex. Who who do you think came out of it the worst? I think. Well, first of all, like, as I just said, like the his teammates and his opponents, they may have been upset, but they were portrayed for who they were. They were portrayed as either valuable assets or very worthy opposition, and. Uh-huh. But I think the only losers here, the people that were kind of shown in the least light, was the Bulls' general management. Kind of give them their due that they needed to have a very good general manager in order to win all those all those championships. But at the same time, like not like like the players, the like Greg Jackson, everybody was kind of like they didn't like them, and these were very vocal about that. I'm just gonna put it like that, and they let and they let that. They were very, they were not shy in showing that nobody really liked the management, and, it was, and that hasn't changed over the years. Yeah, he he wasn't what he was kind of what I would always say the old school head of front office, the old school kind of general manager in North American sports, where you know, kind of they they did a little bit of everything. They were very good at a lot of different things, and most important, they were able to deal and deal very very well, and they always had. The long-term view uh, of the of the franchise at heart. Uh, I I know uh, Isolt uh, brought it up. It was kind of unfortunate that they did put a lot of focus on them without actually saying from the very start. Because after I think with two or three episodes, I looked up the guy and what happened to him, and then and he died. And I'm thinking they they continually reference him. They continually, you know, 
point to him doing this, this and this, but the man is dead. He can't answer. Yeah. You know, so I thought that, yeah, he was a loser in terms of that he couldn't defend himself. But all he did for the club, from, of course, get, even getting Dennis Rodman in and getting Phil Jackson in and all the different things that he did to build the franchise, it's, I don't think he'd be allowed to do it now. You wouldn't be allowed to do it now. And I, and, okay, we're going to park that there for just a moment. Okay, Alex, thank you very much for that because I want to dive into it even deeper. And as you mentioned before we came on air, uh, what other teams would you like to have a documentary made of? In at this depth, it's a, a again, it's a it's a great idea, Alex. Yeah, Andrew. Uh, okay, first off, we have COVID victims in Russian football. Uh, even more of them, I believe. Uh, unfortunately, yes, and it's uh, it's only likely to grow the number. I think. And today, Pavel Pogrebniak's wife confirmed that he has got COVID. Five staff members at uh, I believe it's Orenburg and three players who have three players have the their tests have come positive for the antibody test so there is slightly different tests that are going on around the world um the antibody test to see whether you have had it or the actual test to whether you have it right now we know that there are already cases at dynamo moscow at spartak moscow with leonid fedun of course he has at the moment uh, it's already casting doubt on the timing of coming back i was positive about coming back um, I partly for personal reasons, but also partly because the numbers across the country, reported numbers, promising, but it's it's too soon to know. Yeah. Uh, because now we've had then the reason why we've had suddenly a wave of these news partly is because part of the protocol for coming back has been a wave of testing of the teams. They haven't been yeah. tested before, yeah. so we won't really know how early these cases have. Have, have appeared and there was a huge wave of testing a week ago and I'm sure we will see in the next few days and possibly next week or two more cases will come up all of them are being isolated but is that enough is the question yeah, that's it I mean also of course you left out uh, Lokomotiv Moscow where Jefferson Farfan uh, tested positive and as you said you're positively coming back but not corona positive um, and you know we look at N'Golo Kante he has been given leave to train at home uh, yeah, as well. And in England, a lot of players of colour. Uh, Troy Deeney is another very vocal uh, exactly. member of this. He's a captain of Watford, who are in a, a very precarious position, should we yeah. say, in the table. Uh, he has a young son, five-month-old son, who has breathing difficulties, who's in very much in the at-risk category. Yeah. And I think what's interesting in all of this is that those figures are being treated with reasonable respect. I would say, in fact. Um, they're being allowed to, their wishes are being respected. Nigel yeah. Pearson has said he's not going to force players to come in at Watford, which I think is the only thing you can do, really. Not, not, Nigel Pearson has been one of those guys as well, Andrew, who has um, has voiced concerns about it as well. So, you yeah. know, he, he's a very intelligent man. He's, you know, he's worked his way up from, like, all, like from being a very good player on the field, good coach off the field, took his chances over and, Belgium as well, working in Louvain, has moved back to England, has done a good job. So, um, yeah. moving on from that, of course, we're waiting for the Russian lead to come back on. Uh, Bundesliga, of course, is returning to action. Of course, there are games on tonight, but we're, we're going to lead on the side. Uh, tomorrow, of course, big game of the day, 7.30. Moscow time, Bayern Munich are hosting Eintracht Frankfurt. 
Before that, there's the Volkswagen Wolfsburg are playing Borussia Dortmund. That is at 4.30. And another big sort of Rhine, well, Rhine, or yeah, it is a Rhine derby, or Ruhr derby. Uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach against Bayer Leverkusen. That is at 4.30 Moscow time. Uh, on Sunday, of course, there are more games going ahead. Schalke, Augsburg, Mainz, Leipzig, and of course, Köln, Dusseldorf, which is very much a derby game. That is at seven o'clock. The most spectators and people based within the German game are still relatively comfortable with the situation, even though uh, Dynamo Dresden have been another couple of players who have been recorded. With, they're one of the earliest clubs in Germany to have recorded cases. Um, it's all part of the prepared plan, shall we say. Not They're not planning for people to have positive cases, but how to cope with it. And they, like we've mentioned before, there is a, a massive surplus, hundreds of thousands a week surplus of tests in Germany. So testing is not the problem. Um, the protocol, what to do afterwards, is not the problem. The players are respecting the, the specific rules about being a part of substitute events and training and cleaning their own clothes and all of that. That is all part of it. And the positive test, the percentage of players involved who have actually been registered with a positive test is in a controllable environment and number so far. I mean, in terms of how the the number of tests have, have affected the mood, it's not changed anything because this was all part of the prepared plan, um, yeah. it, how to cope with it. It was, it was never going to be the case that there would be zero positive case, uh, oh, tests. Oh, no, 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 it's, it's so, impossible. It's impossible. Um, looking ahead for that one, Bayern against uh, Frankfurt. I think if yeah. anyone's going to have a, a nib on that one, back Bayern all the way. So, you know, as much as... I love Frankfurt. They're my team. There's no hope they're, there. Uh, they're, they're not the same team they were last season, unfortunately. Definitely I think not. It's, uh, definitely not. it's um, a long way from that. Exactly. Cologne and Dusseldorf. I mean, if the fans are in the stadium, the go to be dancing aside the, the field. It'd be a massive, um, a massive game. But I think Cologne, Dusseldorf. I think it should be. I don't think it's going to be that high scoring. It's going to be a low scoring game. I think it's going to be most likely. A, mm. Could be a draw, but under, I'd say. I don't know, under 2.5 anyway. So um, that's what I've been able to figure out. And yeah, so basically the uh, the English Premier League, of course, the Chief is still certain that they're going to get back um, in June. Um, as I mentioned, a lot of players are very worried about going back. Uh, training, of course. Looking at Manchester United, they're even further in the black. Well, yes, I mean, they, they, interestingly, they published their um, quarterly returns. Uh, They've, they've actually quoted a price. It's, to my knowledge, they're the first club to actually quote exactly how much it has cost them so far. So far, it's cost them £28 million, they say, the coronavirus, because of delayed games. And they apparently are returning TV money, even though the Premier League is planning on completing the season, as you've just mentioned. The, the gulf between the top level and the lower levels one example is they say the, the postponement of the Tottenham game, for example will cost them £4 million alone. I mean, that's the sums we're talking. Now, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be brainwashed by the Premier League machine, shall we say, but a lot of people have... It's a very easy target to say the top level of football don't deserve to any sympathy. But, you know, an amount like £4 million, that could keep a, a League Two club going for a very, very long time. But that's not the point. 
yeah. the, that's only a very small part of what it is actually going to end up costing Premier League clubs. It's all relative. I, I mean, some clubs in the lower leagues are in serious danger of, of staying in existence, and it's not the same level of trouble. Manchester United will exist after this, no matter what. But it is going to be a complete game changer for, for everybody. On different levels, yes, but it is going to massively, massively affect it's cost them that much, but so far they are a, a revenue generating machine with one of the most hard nosed businessmen in world sport, I would argue, in Ed Woodward. Not the best sporting director, but he, 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 yeah. he knows how to make money precisely. He has seventy over seventy world um, commercial partners for the club. There's a noodle partner in, in Malaysia. There <laughs> oh, is a gosh. drinks brand partner in Nigeria. The man knows how to squeeze every single drop of revenue out of a, a global brand. And there's no two ways yeah. of getting around it. So Manchester United will survive. Not everybody will, but even Manchester United are already noticing how it will affect their bottom line. Yeah, small bit of news that they're talking about demolishing the San Siro finally. Anyone who's been to San Siro uh, in the last, say, four or five years in Milan will know that it does need to be uh, done up because... Um, Kind of like the Hollywood Stadium in Split, where Hyduck play. As you start, well, it's it's even worse now than it was. Beautiful stadium, beautiful setting, right beside the sea, the Adriatic. It's it's wonderful, but falling apart and kind of a death trap. So, talking about death traps, back over to Alex B's abode, wherever it may be. Where are you today, Alex? I can't yeah. show you where I'm at today. Oh, <laughs> I've, I've been asked by the by, but I can tell you that I am at Scotty Pippen's house. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a bit different this time because he doesn't actually know that I'm here. <laughs> which is, <what> I'm <laughs> is that better or worse? <laughs> well, I mean, when I was at Gronk's house, at least Gronk was, I was there courtesy of Capital FM. Today, I don't have that luxury. Are you hiding in Scotty Pippen's closet? Yes. Alex, are you going to come out of the closet? closet? What? Are you going to come out of the closet? No. <laughs> Word it differently. He might come out of Dennis Rodman's closet, though. And that would be more <laughs> no, I, I, I meant that in both senses. Good. I, 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 I was like, I was going to say, you could turn on your camera. That Oh, my sweet Jesus. It's like me saying, Cameron Erector. I don't know how I got that so tongue tied the other day. I embarrassed myself massively, but anyway. Talk it to is me. What it is. Pardon? Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah, and look, to be honest with you, Carmen Electra never did it for me. She was never this kind of, wow, same as Pamela Anderson. They, neither of them were actually, like the one who went mad into drugs, who was in Baywatch. Because I, I, I don't remember, I never really watched Baywatch, but I remember there was one black-haired one, and she was kind of cute, but then she became a drug addict. I can't remember. Really Yasmin Bleeth, no? Yasmin Bleeth, that's who it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah of course. Yeah, she was, she was a cute, but... Carmen Electra? No, I don't know. Like, oh, wow, well, no, no, no. Is your, is your cup of tea, Alex? I'm not really convinced I know what she looks like, aside from when I saw in the series. Who <laughs> 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 just yeah. watched her on screen, even still not sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Alex, who, who would be then your like ideal date? My ideal date? Yeah. Um... I don't know who it would be with, but it would be at the Voronezh Gwazdi bar. That's all I know for sure. <laughs> oh, that is, that is the place where, where marriages are made. That is for sure. Exactly. <laughs> Which, 
Alex, when you were younger, who who was your your pinup? I, I do remember when I was I was very young when I was watching the Harry Potter movies. You know where this is going, and no. I was I was I was eleven when I was watching the one where they were like eleven. So yeah. when I was eleven, I really liked eleven year old Emma Watson. That's that was my like. <laughs> Is it so I know it feels very weird saying this right now, which is why, which is why I'm saying it. Because <laughs> yeah, no, I've never seen the Harry Potter movies, but I know the actors and actresses from it. Mm -hmm. Did she turn out to be lesbian in the end? I didn't. I, did, I only. I only watched the first four. I lost interest very quickly. <laughs> this is so not how I thought Capital Sports 2.0 would go tonight. <laughs> I'm sorry, because I know she's a re like she's really. All right, gentlemen, my cards are on the table. Oh no! Yeah, that, that, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm I, I, I kind think, of, I think the I was trying to politely say that it's your turn. Okay, all right. Uh, Andrew, you go for because when I, when I say uh, you guys are going to just die laughing, I promise. Because I've been looking forward to this. <laughs> I've been looking forward to this. You know, I do have a very specific one. I, I, always, I always had a soft spot for Liz Hurley. Um, and uh, yeah. it mostly it was because of that dress, the 1994 oh, yeah. Oscars, when it was held together by safety pins. And yeah. I remember thinking, well, that's convenient, but um, anyhow, yes, yeah, she was a she was a classic classic beauty in my eyes. Uh, <laughs> so my my pinup, and I still to this day, God forgive me, think that she's look of a love in his eyes. There. <laughs> wow, woman in the world, even though she married below herself in every sense, um, has to be Steffi Graf. I was not expecting that. <laughs> I have no idea who it is, and I'm going to be honest with you here. You don't know who it is. Look this up. Yeah, <laughs> listen. Look at look at. <clears throat> yeah, look it up. Look it up. It's like I don't know. There, there was something. There was something about her. <laughs> something about her. Huh. This is interesting. Very interesting stuff. I just, I, I can, Alex, we just very lost taste. you. Very like, interesting. Inter yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for me, she. Uh, she did. Well, it. You, 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 you lost me. You lost me in the middle of evaluating your, your pick here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, didn't miss out on much. What a coincidence, Alex B. Alan's, Alan's the boss of the show. And, yeah. you know, just as it gets to the part where you are dissecting how embarrassing we can make this for him, yeah. what, a, what a strange thing that it just happens to drop out. No, no idea why that happened. Yeah, um, well, and what about exactly was it that, that, that drew you to um, <laughs> Miss Graf? Oh, I just thought she was amazing. <laughs> First, she was athletic. Second, she was, you kind of just imagine her kind of like whipping you with her tennis racket or something. I don't know. Just something like that, like kind of, you know, this German beauty, just dressed up in leather, standing over your tennis racket saying, oh, you know, bow down before me. Yeah, I don't know. Just like, I don't know. I'd, why am I not well, surprised okay. she's German? I mean, okay, I'll, I, I can't quite compete with that for level of embarrassment, but I do remember my very first tennis coach used to teach us how to do um, volleys at the net. And he, he used to make us, and in hindsight, this is very, very disturbing, but he used to say, as you make the volley, he was trying to teach us to push through the ball, make a really aggressive attacking volley at the net. And he'd say, you've got to shout, Martina Navratilova, as you come to the net. Um, and, I, and at the time, I had no idea who she was, and, and in hindsight, I thought that that doesn't make sense. But um, it was yeah. very, it was disturbing looking back. Yeah, um, so Steffi is better. Yeah, Steffi, Steffi for sure. Steffi for sure. She was just a <laughs> sexy, sexy woman. Okay, guys, we're going to move quickly on because we, we were going to do about five minutes, 
Alex, you're gonna you're gonna tip off with this one. Sports team you'd like to make a documentary on? Sports team I'd like to make a documentary yeah. on. I think actually in basketball there's a lot of sort of stories like this that kind of need to be told. So I think the next logical step here would be to I know Andrew's team and uh, NBA Jam is the Utah Jazz. My team had to be the Lakers with Kobe Bryant and Steve Nash, which yeah. was very disappointing in real life, but a deadly combo in the game. Of course, the first deadly duo of the Lakers in the in the 2000s was Kobe and Shaq. I think they need to make something about the Lakers in general because they had the Showtime Lakers, they had the Lakers then, and they have the Lakers now with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So I think they could they could make like a even bigger series, but just talking about each one of those teams. On 30 for 30 on ESPN, they did the Lakers-Celtics um, yeah. rivalry. And that was very well done. They also yeah, that could be as well, yeah. Yeah, and they did the Pistons, they did Reggie Miller. I have a feeling I say Thomas as well, but did Reggie Miller as well. I think Miller Time or something like that. And they were terrific, terrific. Um, the Utah Jazz one, uh, yeah, I would, I, I would want to see that. They have one, one now just out on Dennis Rodman on ESPN. Well, I'll go for a slightly different angle, actually. One that is, it, it's occurred to me when you brought up the topic. I read a book, a fascinating book about a cricket team that toured, you know, club village cricket team that toured every single continent uh, about 20 years ago. Um, Harry Thompson, who's producer of uh, Have I Got News For You, um, before he passed away a long time ago. And he wrote a radio play about the, I think it was the 1985 England cricket team touring the West Indies when Ian Botham was at the height of his pomp he was playing he was effectively he was an he was an idol and there was a story where a local Barbadian um Bajan model of with various skills should we say was <laughs> was employed to seduce him take him to his room and the, that tour apparently was just full of of drugs of drinking of sex scandals for lot that era of before it, cricket became widely known, that would be an unbelievable, I think, story because nobody would really know much about it. And to really uncover it, the characters involved in it, there is some names that people would relate to, but stories they wouldn't know about. I think that would be an unbelievable um, documentary. Probably have to wait another 20 years to most of them are dead, you know, so it'll like <laughs> to, to make sure to make it cleanly. There's one that I'd really like to make, uh, and it hasn't been made is when the um Toronto Blue Jays were really one of the top baseball teams and um they won two World Series, I think, in three years and did a terrific side. I actually came along, I was in Canada just kind of just after they had all been winning. And well, Joe Carter was still playing there as well, set on 96 and 97. There was everything with the, the Sky Dome in Toronto. There was, you know, Canada were kind of, like Montreal had been coming close to breaking through uh, the big time in baseball, but had missed out because of strike and so on and so forth, and a crappy stadium and very poor fan base. But I'd love to see one made of the Toronto Blue Jays and then link it, like, kind of just look at Toronto sports because, like, the make-beliefs have been terrible. The Raptors finally won something. The Argos have been, a, have been a very, very good team in CFL for a long time. And the Blue Jays haven't really gone back up to that level. Um, Alex, in Toronto, is there much interest in, in the Argonauts? 
Well, to be honest with you, it's very much overshadowed by the Blue Jays and the um, and the Raptors, of course. Yeah, <laughs> like it's Raptors everywhere right now. It's oh, it's been that way for ever since they won. Like the Toronto team right now are the Raptors for sure. Listen, is that because they're uh, because uh, Toronto has become a very multicultural city? Do you think that the Raptors are, are embracing that more than say the Leafs? Uh, well, yeah, that's also true because. You know, hockey is kind of has its own fan base that's not really, it doesn't really depict everybody in general, but it's just like there's a few people that, you know, there's actually quite a bit of people that really like hockey and they're the ones that watch that that during like the regular season. But basketball, it's kind of like everybody kind of enjoys basketball. Everybody supports the Raptors. And, but actually, um, well, because since you mentioned like the Toronto, the whole Toronto thing, I actually think the, 2016 Cleveland Cavaliers need need to have their story told as well because they had the 3-1 lead they obviously came from you know well we know the drought in Cleveland that's that's no news to anybody no so bringing that championship to the city just finally just against all odds three to one lead against the Golden State Warriors I think that needs to be told as well believe in Cleveland folks we'll go very 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 quickly we're back on uh, Monday or Sunday we'll let you guys know Alex B have a great weekend Thank you. You too. Andrew Flint, have a great weekend. Thank you very much. And you too, Alan. Okay, folks, it's Cap 2.0. We're going away, but we'll be back very, very soon.